0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Kerrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. If you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can go open it to the YouVersion Bible app and go to where it says more in events and you'll see my notes for today or open the Faith app and you'll see my link for today, Soul Wars part three. And then, Brother Richard, if you can get me two chairs, i am put them right there. Just two chairs. A couple announcements coming up as you guys turn there. On S- September 22nd, we're going to be blessed at the 9 a.m. experience with the ministry gift of Pastor Deborah Butler. So she'll be in the house. And then at 1130, Pastor Michelle's going to preach to us. So we have both of them on the same day. They're going to be a great blessing to us. And so make sure you mark it in your calendar to be here on that day. So Mark chapter 4. We'll pick up with part 3 of the series, Soul Wars, Winning the Battle Within. So Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? So one of the, what Jesus is about to say is one of the most important parables in the word of God. And it gives you the key to interpret his other parables. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. For when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Someone say good ground. ground. Say I'm good ground. ground. Such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some... 100. As we've shared in the series and times before, Satan only has five tactics. Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. He has affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. Any attack that you've experienced in your life is one of those tactics or a combination of those tactics. We define affliction as pressure brought by circumstance and persecution pressure brought by people. And notice what he said, when the affliction of the persecution arises for the Word's sake. So notice it came for the Word. Trouble and trials don't come to make you strong. Satan is not trying to send a trial your way to make you be stronger in the things of God. It's coming to take the Word and the production of the Word from your life. And so when it says it came, it compared it to the heat of the sun and it caused the production of the word to wither away and the people became offended. We said the word offend means to cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another, to cause to fall away, to cause to stumble, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one in whom he ought to trust and obey. In part one, we talked about the trap of offense. We said while Satan attacks from the outside with affliction and persecution, Offense arises from within as a possible response to the affliction and the persecution. Offense unchecked and not dealt with can lead you to the dangerous state of being offended. Offense is an event. Being offended is a choice. Being offended is dangerous and can block you from receiving the miraculous. There can be people who they're in a miraculous atmosphere like we're in right now. The Holy Ghost is moving, but they can be offended and receive nothing at all, even though the Holy Ghost is moving. Offense can cause you to let go of your faith and eventually walk away from God. Offense is a trap where Satan can cage you and use you as an offense agent. And so we looked at that part one. If you missed that, I encourage you to go on the app or on YouTube or on our website and listen or watch part one. In part two, we said, in addition to offense— Another internal response to persecution and offense is anger. Staying angry is dangerous. Being angry is not a sin. Staying angry is. As we look at the scripture in Ephesians, we're not supposed to stay in our anger for longer than a day. We're not even supposed to go to bed angry. So that lets us know we're supposed to deal with our anger in less than 24 hours. Anything longer than that opens the door to the enemy. Because remember the verse in Ephesians says, give no place to Satan. We said that the word place also means neighborhood. So when we, when we refuse to correctly deal with our anger, we're essentially singing to the devil, won't you be my neighbor? When you let Satan move into your neighborhood or give him a place in your life, he can set up a greater platform to attack your life. And see, one of the things is when you don't deal with the anger before you go to bed, you go to sleep, but your subconscious is still working. Your soul is still alert. Your spirit is still alert. And while you're asleep, you've given Satan an open door to keep accusing that person before your subconscious. And so when you wake up, your anger has had to subside. It might be even greater because you didn't do what the Bible said, and you gave Satan the entire night to keep working on your mind while you slept. Understand this, this is a war for your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and the control center of your emotions. And the enemy is always looking for an entry point into your life. When you do not correctly deal with your anger, you will give them an entry point. You may be justified in being angry. Remember, being angry is not a sin. Staying angry is. You must deal with your anger. One of the things that the book of James told us is that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You won't get God's just plan by being fueled with anger. Anger is not supposed to be your fuel. Love is. And believe in how much God loves you is. Anger will not bring about the results you want to see in your life. So let's go forward. I encourage you to miss any of those two messages. to Go and look them up and listen to them again but let's pay attention to something new today and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up, this is verse 7 and choked it and it yielded no fruit, verse 18 and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful so think about this, where did the thorns come from? They came out of the earth, right? Or in this parable, it came from the heart of the individual who heard the word. Somehow the seeds of the thorns, or it's also this word thorn is also a bramble bush, were sown and able to grow to a state of maturity. So when you look through the word of God, there are different sowers. There's God, he's a sower. Those who minister his word, they're sowers. You are a sower of the word, but Satan also sows. He doesn't sow the word. What he'll sow cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. Those are the seeds that he sows. And so, you know, one of the things in the yard at my house that we had, these weeds that came up from nowhere. Like, they weren't like the normal weeds. When we had it plucked out and began to do the stuff, they said, this is a farm weed. There's not a farm near my house. But somehow, it got caught in the wind and went and planted itself. And if I left it there, it would have choked the nutrients of the plants I have there. See, sometimes you may not know how the seed got there, but you still have to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, what Satan has planted will grow into maturity. See, when the thorns began to grow in this person's life in Mark 4, they did not weave their garden. They didn't pluck it up. They did not check their soul— So in the process of time, as the word grew, so did the weeds. So it didn't say this person wasn't still getting the word. It didn't say the word wasn't growing anymore. The previous example, the word withered away and there was no evidence. But the word has grown in their lives. So this is a person who's still in church This is someone who's still serving God. This one's still walking with God. They didn't turn away. They didn't become offended. They are following God faithfully. The word is growing in their heart. They're believing the word. They're receiving the word. The word is growing. But as the word grows, so are cares of this world. So are deceitfulness of riches, and so is lust of other things. They grew together. And so, you know, when I was looking up stuff about weeds this morning, I found this very interesting. And because I know the parable, you know, I'm reading this gardening website, and the gardening website is preaching to me. And it says, invasive weeds are often very noticeable with different textures, colors, and growth habits. These weeds can overtake your lawn or garden in a single growing season, leaving it unattractive and sparse. They have accelerated growth patterns and often leave seeds to perpetuate their kind. So it's not just one weed, they keep becoming multiple weeds. They're kind of like baby kids, we don't die, we multiply. Weeds are often poisonous if eaten, taste bad, and have thorns or other physical features, making them difficult to remove. Weeds compete with flowers, grasses, vegetable, and fruit plants for water, sunlight, and nutrients, leaving non-weed plants starving. This loss of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium leaves them weak and prone to insect and disease infestation. Because most weeds grow at such an astounding rate, they often absorb more of one nutrient than another, leaving an imbalance. This overwhelms other plants, often causing abnormal color, flower, and fruit growth. The devastation that invasive weeds inflict is well documented, particularly because they are so successful in competing for space if not kept in check. So not only do the weeds Steal nutrients and leave the plant starving. So going back to Jesus' parable, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of all things grow up. They steal the nutrients from the word growing in your life. It says it creates an imbalance. So while the word should be working in all areas of your life, now it's only working in a few and you're an unbalanced Christian. But also begins to affect the health of the plant and leaves it open for infestation and disease and other things to eat the plant. And sometimes we wonder well, where are all these things coming from, but some of them come in because we didn't deal with the seeds Satan sold or things we allowed to be sold in our hearts. And we wonder why isn't the word working in our life? It's like, I see the word growing, I see change here, but why isn't the word producing? Because notice it says the word is still there, but has become unfruitful. So you believe the word, you have the word, but now the word is not bearing fruit in your life. And you begin to wonder, does the word really work? Does faith really work? It does, but if you have these three things growing to maturity in your life, it strangles what the word can do in your life. So you have to deal with the seeds. See, one of the things, this definition choke that Jesus used means to strangle completely but it also means to crowd out. So Leon and Rich, I need you guys help on this one. So how many of you grown up ever played musical chairs? So we got these two chairs here, and this is an example. Do not fight each other over this. <laughs> this is an example. But how many of you are going around in a circle in musical chairs, walking around? You know, the music gets faster. We don't know when the times will go up and we jump for a seat. You're walking around, you're walking around, and you're walking around. You know, some people, like you saw Leon do cheat a little bit and walking around. But how many know it's not always the fastest that wins? Sometimes it's the person with the biggest butt. <laughs> what did they do? They crowded the person. Out of the chair see your life is another round of musical chairs and Satan is trying to booty bump the word out of your life <laughs> thank you guys <gossip. laughs> so in this another round of musical chairs Satan will have different songs to get you to repeat in your head not even real songs, but they things you keep saying to yourself again and again because you heard a parent say that or a teacher or someone influential you in your life and they use that to describe you and you say, well, I'm just this type of person, I'm this type of person, I'm this type of person because someone said it to you years and years ago, but you keep repeating it and so you're going around and around and around and Satan keeps bumping the word out of your life because of what you're repeating, what mantra you've made for your life, what song you've made for your life and this is what's directing your life and it's just a sum of cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things, and you keep saying some type of description from there, and you keep sowing more and more in your heart, and these weeds keep growing and growing and growing, but the Word is still there. You're still getting the Word, but the Word is not working for you. The Word is supposed to work for you. You're supposed to get production from the Word. But if you don't weed your own heart, if you don't check your own soul, and deal with the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. The word won't work for you the way it should. A lot of things we want God just to do it for us. Go ahead, do it, Jesus. And sometimes, sure, He looks at us and says, "Well, do it, Christian," because Jesus did what He needed to do. Things in the Scripture are not always automatic. The will of God is not automatic. He's like, "Well, Pastor, what do you mean the will of God is not automatic?" You read and Paul's writing to Timothy. God wills that all men be saved. It is the will of God that everybody is saved, that everybody goes to heaven. Now, is everybody going to heaven? No. But you say, well, pastor, it's the will of God that everyone goes to heaven. Yes. He has a will, but so do people. See, we're supposed to align our will with his will, but not everybody will do that. God wants everybody saved, healed, delivered, provided for, prosperous, abounding in life, full of joy. God has good plans for people. He wants the best for people, but people won't always line up to the way God has for them. How did you line up to the will of God where salvation was concerned? You heard the word. You believed the word. You received the word. And he opened your mouth, and he declared Jesus Lord. And he believed he was a son of God and God raised him from the dead. What happened? You were saved. What did you do? You lined your will up to the will of God concerning salvation. Now God wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody's gonna line up their will to it. So a lot of things in the scripture, they're not automatic. You have a responsibility. Even in this day of grace, you have a responsibility to grace. You have a part in it. So we're going to look at this word care a little bit more. This word for cares, yes, means care, but also means worry, anxiety, or care, worry, and anxiety that distracts. Say distracts. You got to think we live in a society that is full of anxiety. Drugs to solve anxiety problems are at an all-time high, whether they're legal drugs or illegal drugs. People are trying to deal with anxiety. But this anxiety is also a distraction. And remember, it's one of the tools of the enemy. There are seeds of care, worry, and anxiety that distracts, that the enemy seeks to sow to distract you from focusing on the things God wants you to focus on. So go to Matthew chapter 6. We have to deal with the word. We have to deal with the anxiety. We have to deal with the care. We shouldn't be full of anxiety like the world. There should be a difference. The world has anxiety. We should have peace. You got to think about what a witnessing tool it is that if everybody's full of anxiety about something, but you're at peace. And they say, well, you're not worrying about it. No, you're right. I'm not worrying about it. Well, shouldn't you worry? No, I I, I trust God. Now, I'm concerned about this, but I'm not going to let my concern get me into anxiety. I'm not going to let my concern get me into worry and doubt. I have my natural responsibilities I'm going to handle, but I believe God, and I believe he is good, and I believe his mercy endures forever, and I believe he's on my side. Because the thing is, if you walk in peace like that, first, they may think you're crazy, but I guarantee you, they're going to watch you. They may not work on your floor. They may work in another department, but they are going to watch you. And as they see things work in your life, they're like, well, tell me about this peace you have. What is it now? Your lifestyle is a witnessing tool. And they won't even care about religious differences. They'll be in another religion, but if you've got peace, they're interested. See, it's not just for us to enjoy the goodness and the benefits of God. It's for us to make a difference in the lives of others with how we live. See, the thing is, we have to live our lives as billboards of the goodness of God that let the people know that our God is good. And as they see that God is good in our life, we don't just leave it and let them come to their own conclusions. We become bringers. Yeah, you see what God did in my life? You know, I learned that at church. Why don't you come with me this Sunday? Why don't you watch online with me? We have to be actively engaged in bringing people to God. It's the ministry of reconciliation. God is working through us to reconcile the world unto Himself. So we can't just say, "Well, we just invite." Well, I invited them to come to church. That's good. The next level is bring them. Amen. You tell them, "Well, yeah, church starts at the time. Oh, great! Thank you for letting me. Okay, what time are you going to be ready to go? What time do you want to meet there? Because you know you really want to be at church early because you know we have pre-experienced prayer. You really want to be there for prayer. Amen. It was worth a shot. <laughs> it was worth a shot. You know, i make you guys this promise, every football season, some of you are just happy that you go to the 9 a.m. because you have a whole bunch of games you can watch this afternoon, which is great, but cool. If you can make it on time for a game, you can make it on time for church. And I know we have some super football fans here, but also one of the things I know, we have some ladies who are even bigger fans than some of the guys here. And the thing is, ladies, sometimes the timetable you set is the timetable for the entire house. and so you want to get back in time to watch the game, get your family to church early. Hallelujah! <laughs> back to my notes, Matthew chapter six. Praise the Lamb of God forevermore. Matthew six, verse 25. Look what Jesus said. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. It doesn't mean don't think about your life, that phrase means don't be anxious. Comes from the same Greek word, talking about anxiety and being full of worry and care. So don't be anxious for your life. Don't be anxious for what you shall eat. Don't be anxious for what you shall drink. Don't be anxious for what you're going to put on. What he described, basic needs of life. What you're going to eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear. Even by implication, you could talk about where you're going to live. Don't be anxious. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than some birds? Aren't you worth more than some birds? Think about this way. Have any of you ever seen people who just love feeding birds? Like they bring bread crumbs. And they'll take some of the meals and they'll just feed birds. Some people will build really nice bird houses because they just want to feed birds. They like feeding birds. It brings them joy to feed birds. Some of you hate birds, but they love birds. Some of you saw a horror movie about birds and you're scarred to this day. Where there are people in this world who just love feeding birds birds. Not even talking about eagles or tropical, wonderful, majestic birds, sparrows, (laughs) which he said they're really cheap to buy in the marketplace there, pigeons, but they love feeding birds. And Jesus said, these birds who don't even know how to use the law of seed time and harvest, who can't sow and reap, who can't gather in barns, yet they're fed because your heavenly father feeds them. So one of the ways God feeds these birds is through people who just love to feed birds. <laughs> Anytime you see someone just so delighted sitting on the park bench just tossing some popcorn and tossing some breadcrumbs, look, your heavenly Father is feeding birds through some people. And if God can cause people to just like feeding birds, can he meet your basic needs? Can't he move on someone's heart to just want to bless you? They don't have to know you, they just want to bless you. God has moved on their heart to be good to you. They doesn't mean they like you, doesn't mean they like your background. They could be a person who is bigoted and full of evil, but they want to bless you. They want to show kindness to you. they you even say, I don't even know why I'm doing this. But this is what I'm gonna do this is the deal I'm gonna give you this is what I'm gonna do I can't even explain it you're better than some birds I know Peter may not like that but you are better than the birds and if God can feed some birds don't you know he can take care of what you eat what you drink what you wear where you live and meet the very basic needs of your existence that's what Jesus is saying here Then he says, how many of you fight being anxious can make yourself grow taller? You can't do that. And why do you take, or why are you anxious about what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. He says, look at the flowers. One of the things about like Jesus, he was a pointing preacher. He's pointing at the flowers. He says, look how they grow. They're not toiling for it. They're not working under stress for it. They're not spinning for it. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clove the grass of the field, so notice who clove the grass of the field? God. Who caused those flowers to grow? God. If God will clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, shall he not much more? Much more, not just. Do the same way, or maybe a little bit, much more. Not in clothes that are raggedy and falling apart, good clothes. He compared it to Solomon. Much more clothed you, ye of little faith. Means it doesn't take a little faith to get a new wardrobe. Amen. Therefore, take no thought, or don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or where shall we be clothed? For after all these, what? He's talking about material things. He's not talking about philosophical ideas. He's not talking about spiritual realities. He's talking about things. Do the Gentiles seek? So what are the Gentiles living for? what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear, what they're going to be clothed, how they're going to live. They live for these things. They pursue these things. This is what their life is about, getting what they need, meeting their basic needs, getting their desires. met. This is how they live. But don't think about Gentiles as just the word nations, but think about it as people who don't have a covenant. Jesus, remember, he's talking to a Jewish audience. He's saying the people who don't have a covenant pursue and live for meeting their basic needs. This is what they do every single day. For your heavenly father already knows that you have need of all these things, but seek first. Get your priorities in line. Make sure your number one is in the right place. The kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, where you live, the basic needs of your life shall be added unto you. Amen. Add it. Keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. It's about your basic needs. It's already there. Take no thought or don't be anxious for tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficiently so each day is the trouble thereof. See, the thing is, a lot of people, you'll stay up all night worrying and worrying and worrying, Jesus, how can you by worrying make yourself tall? You can't do it. You can't make the flowers grow by worrying. You can't make yourself t- tall by worrying. And you just miss a night of sleep. Because you didn't change the situation. Not like you were praying and planning. You were just worrying and stressing and being freaked out. And now you wake up in the morning tired and angry and mean. And nothing has changed. because you know the psalm says it's vain for you to stay up late and eat the bread of sorrows for he gives his beloved sleep it says in proverbs you'll lay down and your sleep shall be sweet you're not going to change anything by worrying so you might as well go to sleep enjoy the sleep god gives one of the thing, scriptures I have my daughters pray before they go to bed is that, Father, you told us in your word that you give us sweet sleep because you love us. So we take it, we have it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Why? You're not supposed to stay up late worried and terrorizing the night. You're supposed to sleep. God's awake. Let him deal with it. Some of you get out of God's way the most when you sleep. There's some angels like, I'm so glad they took a nap. We can finally do something. They can't get into these words of unbelief because their mouth is shut. They're snoring instead. Rest. You know, I think there's a poster or a pillow I'm going to make for my home. It's like, you know, naps are spiritual. Even Jesus took naps. And I said, in my house, we serve the Lord, and on Sundays we take naps. (laughs) Rest. And we did a whole series in July about resting in God. Don't stress. Rest. Believe. One of the highest levels of faith is rest. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Be careful, or don't be anxious about anything. So don't be anxious about anything. It's like, no, it is responsible to worry. No, the Holy Ghost says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So when you're making your request, you say thank you because you believe He's heard you and answered your request. It's the confidence you have in First John that because you pray according to the Word, that's His will, you know you receive what you ask for. So when you pray, you say thank you because you believe you got it. And what happens if you do this? You don't are anxious for anything, and by prayer and faith, you make your supplications known. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, think, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So if you want to experience peace, you got to control your thought life. You have to make a decision. Go to John 14. Instead of worrying about it, pray. And don't pray for a moment, then go back to worrying. Stop the worry, pray, thank God, and move on. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, this is encouragement from Jesus, but it's also a divine command from the Lord General of the church. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be anxious. When he talks about trouble, it's talking about someone who is moved by fear and anxiety. This is a person who has been filled with distress and anxiety and worry. And Jesus, don't let it happen. This is a command. as much as a command as thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal. This is a command from Jesus. Don't let your heart be filled with anxiety. Don't let your heart be filled with fear. Instead, take my peace. See, my peace is not like the world gives. That's sometime, sometimes they're in peace and other times they're confused. Other times they're anxious. My peace lasts. He says, take my peace. Make a decision to stop the worry. Make a decision to stop the anxiety because worrying is also dangerous. Not just from a physical body. You stay in worry, you can create problems in your own physical body. But when you look at, I believe it's Luke chapter 21. Let's go over there real quick. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged, that means overburdened, way down with surfeiting. That word surfeiting means to be drunk and hungover. And drunkenness. You know, that Greek word is methe. Mm-hmm. And the cares, the anxiety, the worries of this life. So that the day, what day? The day of, God, of Jesus' return. The rapture of the church comes upon you unaware. So what Jesus says, don't be so drunk on alcohol and high on drugs and drunk and high on care and anxiety that you miss when I come back. You can be so high and so drunk and so weighed down with care and worry, you won't even know Jesus' return is close. You won't even know. And a lot of people are drunk and high because they can't deal with the anxiety. And they use it as self-coping mechanisms, and Christians use it as a cheap substitute for the Holy Ghost. Does not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. We have to stop the worry. We have to stop the anxiety, because you keep letting those thorns grow; it becomes very dangerous in your life. You know, it reminds me of the story a few chapters earlier in Luke about Mary and Martha. They were friends of Jesus, so Jesus said, "I'm coming to your house." And the thing is, it's an honor for Jesus to hang out at your house. It was an honor because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were actually personal friends of Jesus. So Jesus says, I'm coming to the house. My crew's coming with me. And so sometimes there was 12 people with Jesus, but also there are people of the 70, there's other disciples that follow. And so they're going to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. And now Martha had a good heart. She wanted to be hospitable. Now, how many of you want to be hospitable if Jesus is there? You're like, I'll make sure he, if he likes coffee, he has his coffee, and whatever you need. You're going to do that. Oh, man, but there's Peter, then there's John, and oh, there's so and so. And okay, let's do this. So the heart is right, but it says in the King James Version, she was cumbered about, which much serving. So the issue wasn't that she served, it was how she served. That word cumbered about means distracted. And so she was serving. And serving, and serving, and serving, and then she got a little upset. Why? It says, she came to him and said, Lord, wait a minute. It'd be one thing if Jesus was sitting there, chilling and talking. Jesus is teaching the Word. The Word is preaching the Word. The Word is teaching the Word. The Word explains the Word. And when he studied the Gospels, to the crowds, Jesus would preach in parables. But when he got into settings like this, among those who really believed in him, among his community and friends, because Jesus did life in community. He, he wasn't an island to himself. He did life with people, which means you need to do life with people. You don't have an excuse to be a lone wolf. If Jesus it wasn't a lone wolf. Amen. He was in this community. And in these times, you got explanations. Like the whole explanation of Mark chapter 4 came in a time when it was just Jesus' disciples and his close people around him. These explanations of revelation come from these moments. There's no hostility in the room. These are people who know Jesus, believe in Jesus, love Jesus. They have a community. This is a room of where revelation can just flow, unhindered and unchecked. So this is what Jesus is teaching and sharing. And Mary, Martha's sister, is sitting right there in front, listening to every single word. So you know Martha, she's distracted by serving, so she's not listening to Jesus. So she's going back and forth, helping people, serving. Okay, you need some coffee, you need some tea, okay. You need this. Oh, we got some snacks. This is what we got. We'll do this she's going back and forth, and then she sees her sister who's not helping her. So you know she's making signs. Help me. Come on, help me. Mary, Elizabeth, da 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 goes through a whole government name. Help me doing all type of sign signals and mary's ignoring her she's listening to jesus she's focused she's paying attention and martha's trying to get her attention now martha is upset so upset one of the translators says she came and stood over jesus (laughs) jesus is sitting teaching You know, this is what this means, and this is what this means. Teaching and sharing while Martha's going back and forth, and then Martha had it and stands over Jesus. Jesus, don't you care about me? Whoa. This distraction made her question the care of Jesus. And she says, tell—now she's giving Jesus orders. Tell my sister right there to get up and help me. just goes, Martha, Martha. <laughs> it's almost like he was watching the Brady Bunch or something. You are troubled and anxious about many things. Not just this thing, many things. But your sister has chosen the good part. She has chosen what is needful, getting the word. And that will not be taken from her. What? The word cannot be taken. Why? Satan couldn't get it from Mary. Mark chapter 4, remember? He took it from Martha. Martha didn't even know what Jesus was saying. But Mary, Satan couldn't steal the word from. The word was going to produce and work in her life. But do you notice something about this passage in Luke chapter 10? It never tells us what Jesus said. It doesn't share what he shared. And when you understand the gospel of Luke and how God used Luke, Luke was an investigator. He went and interviewed people so he could put everything that they have been taught, because he got saved in the Paul's ministry, in order. So he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts, and he put it in order. The other Gospels aren't in order, but if you want to follow the full order, it's the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And so he goes to interview people and sit down with people, and he's getting all these stories in order, and he might have asked, so what was Jesus teaching that day? Well, you know, I don't know, but you know, Martha was really just going back and forth back and forth and then she stood over Jesus bro can you believe that she stood over Jesus and everybody can tell that story but nobody knows what Jesus said see distracted people distract people and so not only did Martha miss out on the word but how many more people miss the word because the person was distracting because they were full of worry and anxiety. It's dangerous. Remember, we said that word worry and care and anxiety is meant to distract. So you turn your attention from the right place. It reminds me of Peter walking on the water. Now, we're familiar with that story. Jesus told them, Get in the boat and go to the other side. And he finished praying at night and began to walk on the water. It looked like he was about to pass them by. And they saw. Someone walking on the water and they screamed, It's a ghost. Don't be so hard on them. What would you scream? And so Jesus says, Don't fear. Stop the fear. It's me. And Peter speaks up and says, Jesus, if it's really you, command me to walk on the water with you. Now, why Peter had that idea, we don't know. He could have said, Jesus was the secret password. Jesus, how many fingers am I holding up behind my back? <laughs> Jesus, what's that nickname that you gave so-and-so that only you know? But Peter said, tell me to walk. And Jesus said, come on. So Peter began to walk on the water. People said, well, he began to sing, Well, well at least he did it. Amen. All the other disciples kept themselves on the boat. Even John, who knew Jesus loved him. I'm good, bro. Enjoy. I got me some Chick-fil-A and Popeye's chicken sandwich right here on the boat, I'm good. <laughs> You go have this adventure. <laughs> Chilling on the boat, but at least Peter dared to get up and walk. And so, remember, a storm was going on, the wind and the waves are going on. But as Peter's walking to Jesus, looking at Jesus, he's focusing on Jesus, but then he begins to pay attention to the wind and the waves. And what happened? He began to sink. Didn't say he sunk, he began to sink. Now, I've got a question for you before I go forward with that story. Is it easier to walk on water when it's calm or easier to walk on water during a storm? How many say it's easier when it's calm? How many say easier when it's a storm? Now look, y'all, it's not even easy to walk on water in the first place. (laughs) Now, if y'all have mastered walking on water and calm a storm. This is going to be something great. We're going to film it. We're going to put it on YouTube. And I was like, look at this new thing God is doing at faith. See, we got people walking on water here at faith. <laughs> it's impossible regardless. You can't walk on water. And so Peter was already doing the impossible. He was already doing the supernatural. So the wind and the waves were irrelevant. The wind and the waves didn't matter because the wind and the waves... Being there didn't stop them from walking the water, and the wind of the waves not being there wouldn't helped them walk on the water. Too many times we're distracted by the irrelevant. We're distracted by things that do not matter. And the overall scheme of things, it has nothing to do with what God has called you to do, but the enemy through worry, care, and anxiety will try to get you to pay attention to things that do not matter. And now that you're distracted, you begin to sink. But notice he didn't sink all the way. At least his theology was bad enough to know, good enough to know, Lord, help me. Sometimes you don't know you need to know every word, but those are some good words. to say, Lord, help me. That is scriptural. And Jesus didn't go, well, hmm. how long can we let Peter swim a little bit? You know, how long let him swim with the fishes? You know, maybe he needs a Jonah experience. Maybe I need a whale to come get him, let him stay for, for three days, and I'll get him out later. No, what did Jesus— And he said he reached out and caught him. Brought him up and said, dude, why did you doubt? It's personal. You, you know better. Why did you doubt me? Oh, ye of little faith. Short burst of faith. Why was your faith so short? Why did it only last for this small amount of time? That's what he said to him. But notice that Jesus did not let him sink. Jesus did not let him drown. And Peter, walking by faith, he had a safety net called Jesus. Do you really think God will let you walk by faith and not give you a safety net if you get distracted? Some of you are so worried that if I take a step of faith and I begin to obey God and I step out there, what if I make a mistake? What if I begin to sink? You got the same promise as Peter. You have a safety net by the name of Jesus that you'll begin to sink as long as you get your attention back. Lord, help me. Boom. And they know what they did? They walked back to the boat together. So he still did the impossible. We can't afford to be distracted. But we even have to remember as we do this walk of faith, Jesus is walking with us. We're not walking on the water by ourselves. That even if we make a mistake, because we will. Even if we stumble, because we will. Even if we get distracted, because we will. He's right there to get us back on track. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Jesus. We don't have faith in deliverance. We have faith in the deliverer. We don't have faith in healing. We have faith in the healer. We don't have faith in provision. We have faith in the provider. We know Him. And we know He's not going to let us drown. For He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to let you go. I'm right there with you. So with that mentality, we have to stop that worry. You know, as I was preparing for this message this morning, and I had worship music playing through YouTube, and I guess YouTube decided to be led of the Spirit today, they put this song by this group called House Fires, the Holy Ghost group I really like, and they began to worship, and they began to sing another part of the song, and I perked up as I was working because the lady began to sing. God's not worried, why do I worry? God. If God is not worried about it, why are you worried about it? There's no room for worry in this life of faith. You gotta stop the worry. You have to stop the anxiety. You have to stop the stress. Because if you let it grow, it would choke the word from your life. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Peace, peace, as in Hebrew says, whose mind is stayed on you. Focused, not distracted. Because he trusts in you. You keep your faith in him, and he'll keep you in perfect peace. Proverbs 23, 17, 18 says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but be thou in the reverence of the Lord all day long. For surely there is an end, and thy, your expectations, shall not be cut off. I mean, surely God has a plan for your life. He has a future for you, and it's good. Because sometimes we look at people who aren't living right, and so everything's working out for them. And he, tried, he attempted to be jealous. And the Bible says, don't be jealous of them. What they do will produce for a while, but then something's going to happen. Because they've sown seeds for it. Says, so don't be envious of them. Don't be jealous of them. You stay in the reverence of God. Because God has a future for you. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, say of the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil and trouble. To give you an expected end. Another translation of expected end is an end that you would hope for. An end that you would dream about. Psalm 126, 1, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then say they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again. Turn again. Our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves or his harvest with him. Joshua twenty-one forty-four and 45. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all the enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There fell not aught of any good thing Which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel All came to pass See some of these scriptures I just gave for you These are some of the things some of you need to read every day So that you're not disappointed See some of the things is when you get full of care And worry and anxiety And Satan is able to choke the word out of your life And you begin to wonder why is the word not working for me and then you become disappointed in the state of your life because you haven't seen the miracle or the breakthrough you're believing for. And in that disappointment, Satan adds to your worry and anxiety. And if you stay in that disappointment long enough and then anxiety long enough, you become depressed. What is Satan doing? He's compounding the issue upon the issue upon the issue and the war for your soul. And so some of you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Psalm 42 verse 5 says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You need to tell yourself hope in God. On those days where you feel down, you need to check your emotions. Hey, why are you feeling so down? Hope in God. Rejoice. Be happy. Be joyful. You have to convince your mind and your emotions and you will to get in line to the word of god you have to stir up your hope you do have to keep hope alive it's not anyone else's job to do it it is your job to do it you have to hope in god you have to do what david did in 1 samuel 30 when it looked like everything was gone his family was gone their houses were burned down their houses were decimated and all the guys who he raised up become mighty men of means and mighty men of faith. were talking about killing him. It seemed like everybody had turned on David and he has lost everything but at least he knew enough to encourage himself in the Lord. He stirred himself up and then he began to seek God and say, God, should I, should I go after them? And he says, you'll go after them and you will recover all. Pursue and you will recover all God has plans of restoration for your life he has plans of recovery for your life you encourage yourself in the Lord you get the wisdom of the Holy Ghost and you go forward and then you'll be able to recover all and see one of the things about David's life because after they go and recover all bring everybody back home just days later days later he becomes the king of Israel it wasn't months it was days And so if if he didn't encourage himself, if he decided to quit so this faith stuff was too hard, he would have missed out on becoming king. One of the things he had been going towards his entire life since he was anointed as a teenager. Satan attacked right before the biggest miracle. He attacked right before the biggest breakthrough. And a lot of times people quit when that attack comes. When you don't realize on the other side is your promotion. That he attacked because he could see what's coming. He's doing everything he can to stop it. But you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to hope in God. You have to stir yourself up. You have to stop the anxiety. You have to stop the worry. You have to stop the fear and trust in God. You have to obey the command of Jesus in Mark 11. Have faith in God. What about my doctor's report? Have faith In God? What about my bank account? Have faith in God. What about my career? Have faith in God. What about my family? Have faith in God. What about what's going on in the nation? Have faith in God. What about Wall Street? Have faith in God. What about the White House? Have faith in God. What about the Congress? Have faith in God. Don't be caught up and what the world is caught up in because you get caught up in that you miss the return of Jesus have faith in God keep your mind on him don't be distracted and you will stay in perfect peace now the God of hope Romans 15 13 fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may overflow or abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost we're supposed to be overflowing in hope overflow and expectation because the thing is when you're always full of worry and anxiety and get into disappointment and depression you become a Christian pessimist you expect the worst, you wake up in the morning expecting the worst instead of expecting a miracle you believe something bad is going to happen instead of something good is going to happen to you because you've allowed those seeds and those weeds to grow and you justify your expectation because you said, life has taught you a few things well, how about let the Word teach you a few things? How about changing your expectation? I remember years ago, I was in a meeting with Tim Story. to shift your satellite dish to the all things are possible network. Change your focus. Change your expectation. Change your belief. When you look at your life, when you look at your day, don't go, "Oh, I don't know what's going to happen today. No, I'm going to win today. Why? Thanks be to God who always calls me to try. Thanks be to God who always gives me the victory. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to win. Something good's going to happen to me today because my God is good. I expect a miracle. I serve a miracle, wonder, working God. I expect good things to happen. I'm changing my mentality because I know the word. So I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to be full of worry and care. I'm going to be filled with hope. I'm going to dare to dream again. I'm going to dare to believe again. And some of you said, well, I'm a little bit too old to dream again, Pastor. I'm in my 70s, my 80s, or my 90s. Well, you know, there was this guy named Caleb in Joshua 14, 12. He's in his 80s, and he says, God has been true to his word. He has kept me alive all these years, and I feel as good as I did when I was in my 40s. Now, Joshua, give me this mountain, a mountain, not just a Easy retirement home is going to move in. I'm going to retire for the next few decades of my life. He says, give me that mountain because that's the mountain I want for my retirement home. But that mountain was full of giants, full of the children of the giants, famous giants, full of hard places to take. And this 80-year-old man says, give me that mountain. He dreamed again, even though he was in his 80s. You need to dream again. Doesn't it talk about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. See, there are supernatural visions and dreams from the Holy Ghost, but also the ability for the elder to dream, that they don't let life tell them your dreams are over. Amen. Your life is over. You just know God well enough and know, well, I finally know what I'm doing. So God has some good things ahead of me. So whether you're young, whether you're more mature, dream. Doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum, if you've been saved five days, you've been saved 50 years, expect miracles. Expect good things. Expect the overflowing goodness of God. Set your focus on the goodness of God, not the anxieties that come in this life. This is your mental responsibility. Because if you do this, the cares of the world can't defeat you. You win the battle within. And then you'll enter into the season God has for you, as he told us earlier. You'll go through your open doors. You'll see visions and dreams fulfilled. But you have to expect miracles. And you have to take the step of faith. Some of you are very logical people. You say, well, what I'm planning to do, it's, it's faith. Well, good, take it. Now, yes, do your due diligence, do all your planning and your research, but take the step. Go forward. Walking by faith starts with one step, followed by another step and another step. And soon you're walking. Keep your focus on God. Not where you're going, on God. And watch what he'll do in your life. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. You know, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app, as well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area, as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.